Hello, I'm Kylie Pentelow. Welcome to BBC News Now. Three hours of fast-moving news, interviews and reaction. First, the Israeli military has rescued two of the hostages abducted by Hamas during a raid in the Gaza Strip. The release of the hostages was announced shortly after Israel carried out an intense aerial bombardment of the southern city of Rafah. Well, this was the scene after those Israeli strikes this morning. A spokesman for the Hamas-run health ministry says at least 67 Palestinians were killed. A doctor at a nearby hospital said it was unable to cope with the number of injured. Helicopters and boats were also involved in the attack. The two Israeli hostages, Fernando Marmen and Louis Haas, seen here reunited with their families, are said to be in a good condition. It's thought to be only the second time Israel has carried out a successful military operation to rescue hostages. The Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, said only continued military pressure will free more hostages. Israel's offensive in Rafah looks set to continue. Our international editor Jeremy Bowen examines whether this is to become the next battle zone in Gaza. Where will they take us? What will they do with us? Rafah is the most southerly town in Gaza. And it's the place where most of the population of Gaza has been fleeing to as the Israelis have advanced from the north. You can see the influx of people from these satellite pictures. Now, you can see the difference. All those little markings are tents. There are about 1.4 million people estimated to be in Rafah. That's five times its usual population. They thought they might be safer there, but now Israel says they're going to attack. We have instructed the army to prepare the operation in Rafah. The Israelis say moving in on Rafah is a military necessity in pursuit of what the Prime Minister calls total victory against Hamas. They want to get into those tunnels. We're going to get them, one meter after another, one tunnel after another. And as well as that, they want to get more than 100 Israeli hostages back. So many people have ended up in Rafah because they've been pushed down from the north and there's nowhere else for them to go. They've reached the border. They're living in terrible conditions there, exhausted after four months of war. We hear that the Israelis are planning a military operation in the south. Where will they take us? The Israelis say that they can open a safe passage for civilians in Rafah, but the man who heads the UN agency that looks after Palestinian refugees doesn't believe them. We haven't seen any safe haven since the beginning of the war. There is nothing safe in Gaza. The problem with Israel's argument is a safe passage to where? North of them, there's the devastation of war and the Israeli army. South of them, there's the closed Egyptian border. Well, let's uh, speak to uh, Jeremy now. So we have two Israeli hostages rescued, 67 Palestinians killed. Will Netanyahu, Jeremy, see this latest offensive as a success? Well, to start with, the Israelis are saying this is not the big offensive that people have been talking about. Uh, you know, the issue, as I was saying in that video, the issue is that they, they want to go down and, uh, as they would see it, go after Hamas in that area. But there are these roughly million and a half civilians who are also there. Um, so this was a raid to get those hostages out. And the army, the Israeli army, has been saying 
that they've known about their whereabouts for some time and they've been planning this and they decided to go in under a very heavy bombardment and subsequently as they pulled out an even heavier bombardment which is why so many Palestinians were killed but it's not the big raid. However, of course, for Mr. Netanyahu, it's vindication of his point of view, which he says to get hostages out is not about doing deals with the terrorists of Hamas. It's actually about showing that Israel is strong and remorseless and, uh, and that Hamas will therefore be forced to give up these people. We saw in your report there that um, the, the population of Rafah has swelled um, people seeking safety heading there, but, but they face further attacks. What, what can they do now? I think the people in Rafa at the moment, are, there's nothing they can do. Uh, when they, they, they talk in terms of we sit here waiting for our fate, we talk here, we sit here waiting for death, there's, they've ended up in Rafa because they've they've run out of places to hide. They've gone right down to the south of Gaza and the, the very heavily defended Egyptian border is a hard stop for them. Uh, the, so the, uh, the Americans are putting a lot of pressure on Israel if they're going to attack in a big way, Rafa, I mean a really big way, taking days or weeks, is to move those people out. So there are some theories that they might be moved back up to the north of Gaza, which, by the way, is a wasteland. Uh, but, I mean, how, moving 101.5 million people in short order, uh, you know, it's a, I think there's a lot of magical thinking involved in those mm -hmm. theories. I, I don't see where anywhere in Gaza is safe. What is the situation like that you're hearing from, from people in Rafa at the moment? We're going to be speaking to someone from UNICEF uh, who, who's in Rafa, but, but it, it, is the situation as dire as we're hearing? I think it's desperate. I think it's absolutely desperate. These are people, don't forget, who've, many of whom have lost everything, their homes further north are in ruins. Many of them have lost members of their families, sometimes large numbers of people from their families. They haven't had, they haven't eaten properly in a long time. Shortages of water, uh, living out of doors. Uh, it is, you know, it's not like they're on a camping holiday there. They're in, they're, they are uh, going through uh, massive trauma that is going to affect the, the way they think and look at life, I think, for, until the day that they die. Okay, Jeremy Bowen, we'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, as we've been reporting, the Hamas-run health ministry says at least 67 people died in a barrage of Israeli airstrikes. This Palestinian described what happened during the Israeli bombardment. At approximately midnight, we heard the sounds of strong explosions, as if hell had opened up on the civilians. Look what happened. The Israelis claim that they freed hostages from this place, but we don't know what happened. We were sleeping in our homes and we don't know anything. We didn't see any hostages here, but we saw a helicopter landing. There was heavy shooting as if it was a very big battle. The world has turned into hell for the lives of civilians. 
Well, the UK's Foreign Secretary, Lord Cameron, has warned against a planned Israeli invasion of Rafah, which is providing refuge to more than half of Gaza's 2.3 million population. Well, we are very concerned about what is happening in Rafa because let's be clear, the people there, many of them have moved four, five, six times before getting there. And uh, it really, we think, is impossible to, to see how you can, can fight a war amongst these people. There's nowhere for them to go. Uh, they can't go south into Egypt. They can't go north and back to their homes because many have been destroyed. So we are very concerned about the situation and we want Israel to stop and think very seriously before it takes any further action. But above all, what we want is an immediate pause in the fighting. And we want that pause to lead to a ceasefire, a sustainable ceasefire, without a return um, to further fighting. That's what should happen now. Uh, we need to get those hostages out, including the British nationals. We need to get the aid in. The best way to do that is stop the fighting now and turn that into a permanent sustainable ceasefire. Lord Cameron there. Well, this uh, bombardment follows uh, Israel saying that two hostages uh, held by Hamas have been rescued in that raid in uh, Rafah in southern Gaza. Adan Bergeron Aro is a relative of the two hostages who were rescued. Let's hear from him after he was reunited with them at hospital. We were a bit shocked. We didn't know, we, have, we haven't expected it. Um, we saw them. Um, the heart was beating on uh, 200 maybe, maybe more. Um, a lot of tears, hugs, not many words. Just being together, surrounded by the family and surrounded by our beloved people that were without us for so long, more than four months. We were so happy to see them. Um, I, can't, I, I don't know what is the real situation that they are. Uh, mentally, um, they look okay, physically they look okay, but I'm sure that, you know, we're going to have ups and downs in the coming days or weeks. And we really um, hope for good and f we wish them uh, good health. It was a relative of two of those uh, hostage, hostages rescued there. Well, uh, let's speak now to uh, Hamish Young, who is the Senior Emergency Coordinator for UNICEF Gaza, and he joins me from Rafa. Thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate it here on BBC News. Uh, can you tell me what it was like in Rafa last night? Uh, thanks, Kylie. Um, I think uh, I can just verify what uh, some of you previous speakers said. Um, it was horrendous. The bombarding started around midnight, perhaps a bit before that, um, and it was relentless. Certainly nobody in Rafa got any sleep last night. Um, you know, we were, well, the bombardment was all over Rafa. Um, I'm, I believe some of it was a, a distraction from the actual operation that went on, so it was going on everywhere. Our building was shaking all night. Um, of course, we, we have the privilege to live in a, a, a good building. I, I can only imagine what it was like for people who are the vast majority of whom are living in tents and makeshift shelters. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was very, um, it, it, it was horrendous. I think you've already been given the numbers. We've got the same, um, around 70 casualties, 14 residential buildings uh, um, destroyed. But I think, uh, if I can, Kylie, it's really important to, to get beyond those numbers because, you know, in situations like this, we've, just, we've become overwhelmed by the numbers and we've become some, somehow immune to them. Um, this morning when I got into this uh, makeshift facility where we are now, this is the uh, Coordinated Operations Centre where the UN and the NGOs work, one of my colleagues, uh, a Palestinian colleague from um, one of the uh, other organisations working here, 
um, was trying to relate what the story, you know, what last night was like for him. And he just broke down weeping, telling us how he was lying under his bed with two young granddaughters clinging to him, both of them just screaming hysterically uh, uh, throughout the night um, with every, every blast that went off. Um, and, uh, you know, children just should not have to suffer this. Children should not have to go through this. Thousands of Israeli children have been traumatised by what happened on the 7th of October. And now, you know, all the children of Gaza um, are, are, are terribly traumatised by everything uh, that's going on now. We're seeing pictures of the uh, the camps in um, Rafah there, and as as we've been saying, so many people fled there for safety. What is the situation like on the ground for people there? So the situation on the ground in Rafah is already catastrophic. I mean, I think it's people need to to realise that it's not going to be made catastrophic by uh, um, a full ground invasion. It already is catastrophic. There's barely enough food for everyone to eat. There's not enough water. There's not enough medical services or medicines. Um, all children have been out of school since uh, uh, the beginning of October. There's massive overcrowding with hundreds of thousands of children um, and, and their families living in appalling conditions. Like I said, the lucky ones are in tents. Um, many, many are living in makeshift shelters. Um, it's really cold here at night. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like. Um, you know, trying to take care of uh, uh, small children out there. Um, you know, there is relief coming in. Organisations like UNICEF and many other good organisations are, are doing their best. We've brought in hundreds of thousands of pieces of warm clothing, for example, um, for kids. Um, ourselves and WHO are bringing in medical supplies and vaccines. WHO and UNRWA, of course, are doing a, a lot. World Food Programme is bringing in a lot of food. Um, but there are so many obstacles in the way. The security situation makes it very difficult to work. Um, and there are many, many bureaucratic obstructions that are put in our way. Um, there's limitations on the trucks. There's limitations on our movement. Um, there are limitations at every step of the way that make it uh, uh, very, very difficult for the humanitarian organisations to work, make it difficult for us to reach and take care of children who are in dire need. Hamish Young from uh, UNICEF there in Rafa Forest, thank you very much. Thanks, Kylie.